Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Nick Anderson Fitness Podcast. I am super excited, as I always am, how I introduce these episodes, because I am with my friend Roberta Blevins. And if you don't know who Roberta Blevins is, you are missing out. So for those of you who don't know Roberta, can you please introduce yourself and tell us what you're all about? Hey, I'm Roberta. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry for the faces I'm making at you while you're laughing, while you're doing your intro. Um, my name is Roberta Blevins, and uh, you may know me from the documentary Lula Rich or my TikTok account or any of the places that I share about multi-level marketing. And Nick has been on my show too. So there could be people listening from my show that found you that are going, oh my God, Roberta. So hi, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> I'm sure there are some people. So Roberta is one of the people who are really into not be supporting multi-level marketing yeah. companies. And, oh, I uh, forgot to mention that. Yeah, I'm anti-MLM. <laughs> yes, yes. There is a name for it. Um, Anti-MLM is the name. <laughs> and I kind of want to talk today a little bit about your experience with that, and especially with that of MLMs and fitness and how they may or may not mix. Oh, yeah. I mean, oddly enough, like... I'm not a fitness person. I mean, I enjoy fitness when it comes into my life. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yes, fitness. Um, but I'm also not like one of those people that is actively like, oh, no, I didn't do my fitness today. Like, that's not me. Sure. <laughs> so let's just know. And there's probably people nodding going, yeah, that's kind of me too. There's a I lot like, of people. Yeah. I love activity, but I also have ADHD. And so like my brain is like, not today. I'm like, all right, that's fine. So I don't know why I thought joining a fitness MLM would like make me more fitnessy. I'm inherently not like that. Uh, I, I'm very sporty. I'm very athletic. I grew up riding horses, running track. I was a hurdler. I was a dancer. I was a cheerleader, like just very, very athletic. So I have that vein, but it's not what drives me. Mm. And so that was really odd for me that I was even interested in it. But Right after the time, again, vulnerability, after I had my daughter, uh, I'm sure somebody said something to me. Well, I know for a fact someone said something to me. And there was a neighbor that was next door who was like, oh, you're losing the baby weight pretty good. Like, mind you, I didn't gain anything. I'm one of those weird people that didn't gain any weight during pregnancy. I was all baby. And like, I, she just, she she ate the fat, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I didn't gain any weight during my pregnancy. It was the weirdest thing. And so this woman's like, oh, to lose the baby weight. And I'm like, but I didn't have any of that. Right. Like, <laughs> right. So like, she didn't know that I didn't have any. So like, she's basically just being like, hey, fatty, you should lose some weight because I didn't have this baby weight. She was talking about me needing to lose. And she told me I should wear like a girdle and she literally called it a girdle. She's like, they've Whoa. got girdles for that. And you can just wear it under your clothes and it'll just help, help your stomach suck back in so that, you know, the baby. And I'm just like, first of all, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. Nope. This is super offensive. I know you're trying to be helpful, but I just sort of nodded. And again, I'm sure there are mothers right now going, yes, <laughs> like the girdlers, those, those, the baby weight people, they came and and so it was a seed that was planted in my head and and I didn't know really how to go about doing that with a child. And so when a mom friend on Facebook was like, I became a fitness coach. If you have any questions for me, I'm happy to help. And I had always known this woman. We were in a birth group together. I had known her for at least two or three years and I had trusted her and all of her opinions leading up into this point. So I was like, sure. I didn't think she would ever get me into one of those scammy pyramid kind of, kind of things. And so I was like, yeah, no problem. So I reached out 
and it was Beachbody. And I wasn't interested in the shakes. I wasn't interested in joining, but I was interested in the DVDs. So this was even like wow, this is old Beachbody. Yes. Okay, this is love it. Bod. Um, and I reached out and I ended up buying a Pio DVD. And I want to think, I think it was like the very first Pio DVD. And I loved it. I loved it because I'm a dancer. And so like the Pilates and the yoga and all of that, I was like, yes. And I had done Pilates in the past. And so there, there was a lot of like these fitness dog whistles. I was like, yes, check, check, check. This is legit. Like I've done this. This, this combines all the things I like previously. Um, luckily I didn't get into Beachbody, but it, it opened the MLM door. And so I, there's a lot of people that come on my show and, and we talk a lot and we, I don't want to say slander, but it is like, we talk a lot about Beachbody we and talk a the shit, toxic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we tackle it and we talk about the toxic diet culture and we talk about how Beachbody is to a lot of people, a gateway because they present themselves as not an MLM. They have commercials on late night TV. They've got this whole like we just want to help you get up and get moving and get active. And that's sort of where I was in my life. I was like, I don't want to join a gym. I have a kid. I want to stay home. I want to be able to do this in between watching like whatever show I was watching and whatever other show I was watching as a stay-at-home mom. And it was really attractive. And that just really, like I said, opened the door to MLM. And then the very first MLM I joined came within that same year. Um, my father had passed away and I was emotionally eating, which I had done in the past. Luckily, I have <laughs> identified a lot of those triggers and targets, and that's not really a thing that I do anymore. But I was very heavily emotionally eating, and I saw some pictures of me at that time, and I was shocked. It was the heaviest I had ever been. I, I, and not even that, but I looked unhappy. I looked exasperated and exhausted and worn down and run down, and like, like it was like me being like help me right in the photo. Like I'm in here somewhere, come get me. And I just didn't recognize myself in any aspect. And, and again, that planted the next seed of there is a problem and you have to fix it. And then it works came around. And I actually did join that one. That was the very first MLM I joined, but it very much, I was very stuck in the toxic diet culture. I was raised by a woman who was always on a diet always on a pill, always on a shake, always on something that was restrictive, always use words like treats and cheats, always use words like that's bad for you. Oh, I can't believe you would do that. Or I can't understand how you could eat something that bad and things like that. And really adding so much morality onto food that I already felt so much shame surrounding food that when I saw those photos and, and, and the people were like, we can help you. It, it was just already there, right? It was like plug and play. Like it was already there. And I didn't actually feel that way about myself until all of those pieces sort of went and clicked together. And yeah, and I I bought I bought it hook, line and sinker. I was like, let's do this. Let's go. I can do this. Tell me how. Yeah. So do you think that morality to food that your, your parents kind of enforced on you as a child, like how long did that stick with you growing up as an adult? I still have it. Like I literally still have it. I saw her yesterday and it was, it's this, it's still there. It's very, very highly ingrained in her, which is fine. Yeah. I've learned that I'm the only person in life that I can control. Thank you so much, Linwell, Lynn manuel Miranda for that. Uh, and I've learned that um, in the past few years and I've just, I've started just saying, you know what? I, I can't fix you. I can't change you. 
I can't control anything that you're doing, mm -hmm. but I can control the way that it affects me. And so I'm just going to take a step away. And, and so it's, it's even there daily. It's, it's there still, but I know it's there, right? I know it's on my back. And so I can address the problem as opposed to ignoring it. But that took, I mean, I'm 40, I'm about to be 42 at the beginning of next year. So I'm still in it. It's yeah. never gone away ever. Ever. Yeah, it, it sounds like you still kind of have that in the back of your mind, but like rationally and intellectually, you know, but like sometimes you'll look at a piece of pizza and be like, I'm bad if I have that. And like, even though, you know, you're not like, you, do you feel that way? I mean, I used to, I would say probably within the last two years or so, like, I don't feel bad about it anymore. That's and great. that came with not only like shows like yours and, and accounts like yours, but like my own journey on my show too, where if there was something that I didn't understand, I just invited experts to come on the show and talk to, to me about it. And I, with each episode, I became more of an expert as well and was able to sort of branch out and, and learn these things and teach these things and have these inner conversations with myself after these episodes and going, dang, I know I do that. And sometimes I would say things and I would have my guests go, well, you know what, actually, I'm going to correct you there because yes, what you're saying, yes, but there's a little bit of that still in there. And that's why we're going to say it this way and stay. And I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm still learning every single day, but I will say that I don't really necessarily have that morality. Like, so here's a great example. Last night we had this wedding shower yesterday. And so I ate during the day and I wasn't really hungry at night. I mean, I could, I'm always the kind of person who's like, I could eat, but I wasn't hungry. And so my daughter and um, my roommate, they were like, we're, we're hungry. We're going to run down and get some food. Do you want to come with us? And I was like, no, 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 no. So they went and they went and had dinner and they, they brought back leftovers and they came in my room and they're like, we have leftovers. And I was like, uh, okay, I'll come see what you got. And I didn't think I was hungry, but I went in and I opened up and it was this like fake disease or something. <laughs> I was like, I could eat. And I sat there <laughs> and I just sort of like ate out of the container because it was still warm. And I just had, I probably ate about half the container, whatever. Yeah. And I'm just eating it. And in fact, the only bad I felt, and this is 100% honest to God, the only bad I felt was that I ate too much of it because now my daughter would have left, left, less leftovers for lunch today because she really enjoyed it. And I was like, oh no, oh no, I feel like I ate. I, That's ate. The good I didn't kind leave of enough guilt. of a lunch portion for her is what I felt bad about. Um, and I ate all the breadsticks too. So that was the other thing. And I was like, oops, you should have brought home more breadsticks. <laughs> mm, that is so that was, that was literally the only bad I felt with, with doing that. And again, like I was like, eh, I'm not really hungry. And then when I saw the food, I was like, I could eat. And it, it for me, like food is pleasure and comfort, but I've been able to, to take away the guilt from it. Yeah. I think a lot of people will say, so like, especially dumb fitness trainers will say things like food is fuel and that's all it is. But it's, it's so much more than that. Right. It's like food is in our culture. It's in our memories. Like remember that slice of wedding cake you had at your wedding and all yeah. that. Like you, you remember that shit. So it's not just fuel. It's so much more. And it, it ties us together. Like we can all like bond over a piece of pizza or something like, yes, it's not just fuel. It's so much more. I have core, you know, we talk about like, core memories and I, I use the word core memories because I love the Pixar movie Inside Out. But I like knew exactly what you meant. <laughs> so many of my core memories revolve around food. But in and they're positive memories. They've always been positive memories. I was never the person that put negative connotations on those positive memories. I have positive memories. 
I can, I can even think back, like the woman that I live with, who is a family friend, um, she owned a pizza parlor forever. One of the best pizza parlors in San Diego always was getting best pizza of San Diego awards, like all through the eighties and nineties. And so many, even of my memories involve her and being a child in her pizza place, making pizzas. I remember the tablecloths. I remember the fountain outside in the, in the courtyard. I remember these memories because I have so much positive reinforcement around food because it is not just fuel, right? It is passion. It is experience. Yes. Oh my gosh. Preach Roberta. Yes. Like I lived in LA for a couple of years and, and I worked there for even longer. And there are so many micro neighborhoods within LA that have the most incredible ethnic food experiences ever. And for me, I'm like, let's go. Yes. I want to try Ethiopian food. Yes. Let's go try Indian food. Yes. Let's go over here. We're going to try this. We're going to do that. I, I, I love it. I love food. I just love food. And so for me ever having like anything negative where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have that or, oh, that would be bad. Or, oh, I should only have one. I mean, it was so hard for me. It was always a constant battle because I'm like, I want to eat that. But the people around me would probably make a comment, whether or not I hear it or not. They might say something after, like, I can't believe Roberta ate six slices of pizza. Like, wow. You know, whatever, like, whatever. I wanted to eat six slices of pizza. Like, why is it any of your business? But there there were so many times where I, I just, I wasn't myself or I didn't have the pleasure experience around food that I wanted to because I was so worried about what other people were going to think and say about me after the fact, because that's what always happened to me as a child. (laughs) I always had those people that loved me making comments about what I was eating, how I was eating, the amount I was eating. Um, Oh, you're going to add more, but don't you think you've had enough butter on your baked potato or anything like that? You know, taking the butter away, like taking the butter off the table. My God. Like you've had enough. You've had, what? what is this? Like you're getting cut off from the bar. Right. At like seven years old or something where I'm like, it's a little dry. I was just hoping you could, you know, I just, could I have some salt then? Like, (laughs) (laughs) is there something else I can put on this dry ass baked potato (laughs) since I'm not allowed to have any more butter. Um, But then alternately in the same meal, Nick, in the exact same meal, you better clean your plate. Because my mom was the toxic diet culture, but my dad was raised like as you don't waste food. So it was like depression era. Like my dad would cut the fat off the backs of the steaks and cut them up and fry them up as appetizers before dinner. Because he grew up in a very large family who was, his parents went through the depression. So everything was like, you don't put anything on your plate that you're not going to eat. And so my dad would always say, take all you want, but eat all you take. And so in that same vein, clean plate club, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Like these are all things that were said to me as a child. Your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Anytime that I left anything on my plate, I'm disappointed in you, Bert. Your eyes are bigger than your stomach. And I'm just like, well, should I finish it then? But you can't have more butter. Right. Maybe if you were able to put the butter on the potato, you would have finished the potato. Right? Right. Like, what? 
so many double speak is this so (laughs) many foods were demonized in my life that were like these are bad for you and and i want to maybe it was just these are expensive and i don't want to keep buying them because you're eating them all like butter avocados i was like avocados are bad for you bananas no 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 no. we can't eat those we can't eat those i mean i was raised in the 80s and the 90s like fat was the worst possible thing you could eat or be the worst Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the worst (laughs) everything in the 80s and 90s were fat free yeah everything there was a fat free version of everything everything i don't don't know why i'm thinking of the seinfeld episode have you seen this one it's like not a classic one but i've seen all of this um where there's like they go get a non-fat frozen yogurt or something and then they find out that there's fat in it so they're all (laughs) gaining weight like they they just start gaining weight because there's fat in it oh my god (laughs) Uh, and I'm watching yes. I'm watching that as you know an adult in 2022 being like what that's not how that works they're not going to gain fat from having fat in their great children what is right? happening in the 90s <laughs> Yeah the 90s we were very afraid of fat I mean the the top models were like Kate Moss like mm. she was a wa- they, it was waif thin yeah. waif literally waif. literally They literally used the term waif thin all the time that's crazy. All the time. I mean, you're you're looking at models and their ribs are sticking out. They're the skinniest thing. They're just like the clothes are draped on them, and they're like, eh. and then you know, then 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 the 2000s happen, and then Paris Hilton. And that's is, not is healthy. The poster child of 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 beauty standards, and she Paris Hilton, great on her own. Like she's tiny though. Yeah. And all of the people that we were putting on these pedestals as this is who you want to be. This is the lifestyle you should have. Like it was always skinny people. It wasn't even until Kim Kardashian came around with her booty that people are like, "Ooh, booties are kind of cute, actually." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "What? Where? Where was this twenty years ago?" Like, <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, we're super far off topic. We were talking about like non-fat and no, low fat but you know what? Yeah, I, we're talking about Kim Kardashian's ass. Like, it I, always comes back to her butt, right? It does. It does. Somehow. No, I think this is a great topic though because you know, in the '90s, Kate Moss was like the person, right? And yeah, yeah. super thin. And there's nothing healthy about maintaining that low of a body fat percentage. But now when you you go on to the comment section of like a cover of a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model who's a little thick and people's comments are like, oh, so this is the kind of health you're promoting. Well, what about all these skinny stick people? Like that's not health either. No. Oh. I just, I don't understand why, like, we have to be, quote unquote, promoting health. Why can't we just be promoting normal shit? Yeah. And by the way, having body fat, that's not inherently unhealthy at all. Like, people should have body fat. You need body fat on your body. I mean, not just for curves and and bumps. For health. For warmth. Yeah. (laughs) For nutrients. Uh (laughs) For energy. Yeah. For cushion, if you fall, it protects your bones too. Right, like, literally, it's there so you don't starve to death. Like when you yeah. start starving to death, your body eats its own body fat, essentially. Uh, so yeah. when you run out of that, what happens? Yeah, you got, I you did got this, nothing to consume. I did this really horrible um, diet uh, with you know, no professional advice, not even friend advice. I literally didn't talk to anybody. I just decided in my own head. I, I love like, that where this is do? going. I am going to lose fat. I just want to lose a little bit of fat. Like, again, like I don't, and this, I'm like probably 23 or 24 at this time. So I'm, I don't understand like 
how fat really like plays. I'm thinking like fat is maybe like Lego pieces. I can just sort of chip away. You know what I mean? Like ridiculous. Mm. So I'm like, I'm just going to lose like just a little bit of fat. And so I'm just not going to eat fat. And if I don't eat fat, then I can't get more fat. And then the fat I have will just like eat itself and then I'll lose fat. Do you see? Do you do you follow my scientific method? Oh, totally. It makes total Brilliant, sense right? to me. Yeah. So I just stop eating fat. Like I'm not eating butter. I'm not eating anything dairy. I'm not eat. I don't think I ate like any, any fatty meat. It was like all, everything was incredibly lean, as lean as possible. Like ground chicken, like lean, 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 ridiculous. Right. Well, bet. I'm tired. I'm irritable. Like no one wants to be my friend. Yeah. Um. I'm so picky. I can't go anywhere because everything has fat. So I can't go to any restaurant with my friends because like I don't want to be that person so I'm just like oh I don't want to go and probably a couple I don't know how long it was until this started happening but I remember like going and taking a shower and washing my hair and my hair just coming out in clumps oh, that tracks <laughs> just like three to four times more than what's normal and I'm a hairstylist so I was like this is not normal like I mm. knew immediately I've done something and I'm thinking what did I do what have I done I've been so extra healthy and then I'm thinking Hmm, wait, the only thing I've changed is not eating fat. I wonder. And I think I Googled it and they were like, yes, stupid. I, I wonder if, if dietary fats are essential to the body or not. Hmm. And uh, you, you learned the hard way, didn't you? I, I, I did. But Ugh. it was also like, what am I doing? Like, one, who am I doing this for? Because it's not me. Like, I don't care about this. My weight, my sh- my shape, my size, like it's never been my top priority. It has been many other people around me's for some reason top priority. But it's only your business. But never mine. What was that? It's only your like no, it's nobody else's business. It's right. only it's only yours. It's only my business. Yeah. But for some reason, everybody like everybody else cares what you look like. Yeah, because they want me to be happy. Mm. And they think that if I'm skinny, then I'll be happy. Because that's what the media tells us. And that's what's on the magazine covers. And that's what I've been striving for my whole life. So why wouldn't you want that too? Ah, projecting your own goals onto other people. Right. (laughs) I mean, and it's, it's wild because that's always, that's always the first compliment when I see those people in my life is, it's either it's either nothing because you don't look good or oh my god you look so skinny what have you been doing mm. and, and so you know and those are unsolicited body comments unsolicited always there's all they're always unsolicited they're always unsolicited so i mean i i just i grew up in toxic diet culture toxic body shaming culture before that was ever a thing i was told as a child no one will ever love you if you're fat you you don't want to be fat. Um, make sure you can fit through the door. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, if you keep eating, one day you'll be as big as a house. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Um, another one was if you get too big, you'll have to shop at the tent maker for your clothes. Oh, that's a nice comment. So these that's were so nice. you know always like and and. I'm not saying like I didn't get these in my 20s and 30s. I got these when I was seven years yeah. old. Yeah. Like 
for those that are parents, like think about how old your children are and think about saying that to them at their most formidable years when everyone at the school is probably already teasing them for whatever else, because again, they're projecting, no one's going to look at me if I'm making fun of someone else for the same thing that's happening to me, which is literally school grade, like always. And so I just, I was just trapped. The people that I loved were saying it. The people at school were reinforcing it. And I didn't actually feel that way. But then I was like, but should I feel that way? I feel like everyone is concerned that I'm not feeling that way. So maybe I should feel that way. And so that's sort of when um, that whole like restrictive eating, which is 100% disordered and is orthorexia and all of these disordered eatings and eating disorders that I most likely had, but was never diagnosed with because it was me just trying things that other people had done that worked for them. Right. You know, yeah. I, 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 I never did anything that I felt would be considered like a classic eating disorder thing. It was all the underlying restrictive telling myself I was bad, convincing, really convincing myself I was bad. Mm. Yeah, um, so you never like subscribed to the diet culture thing on your own. It's just that so many people kind of talked about it in your life and you were like, am I weird for not subscribing to diet culture? And that kind of yeah. tells us a lot about our society when you were growing up. Like that's right. what everyone cared about. I think it's a lot better now. I think there's been a little bit more of a shift towards um people not raising their children that way but not everywhere like not every parent is like that but i th- i think well, fortunately we're seeing more of the good side of things than the bad yeah but i would say that ends with me with my kid like great. we talk about toxic diet culture all the time and she's even said to her grandmother grandma food food isn't good or bad it doesn't have any moral value Let's go. And I was love like, that. Like, okay. I mean, I agree, but and the look I got from my mother, I was like, she's not wrong though. <laughs> for, for those who can't see the video, Roberta like just held up her coffee cup. Like she's about to sip tea as her daughter is saying this to her grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, it's a fine line between standing up for yourself and being disrespectful that I'm trying to also teach her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But I mean, at the same time, living in a toxic di- diet culture situation, I think some of us are just sick of it. And so I also encourage her to to say, hey, look, I'm not into this. I don't want to talk about this. Like, that's that's not something that we're going to do. Um, and, you know, we're very into intuitive eating over here. We don't have a ton of set schedules for things other than like school and, and homework and bed. Um, but for food and things, we're very adventurous. We like, my daughter will send me like TikTok recipes and she's like, mom, we should try this. And we go to the store and I'm teaching her how to cook and she's learning. And we we made butter chicken the other night and, and homemade non bread. And she devoured her plate. And I was like, oh my gosh. She was like, mom, that was so good. And so I want to instill that. I never got to be in the kitchen cooking with my parents. I would come in and the food would already be done or it'd be simmering. And 
sometimes my dad would say, Hey, there's a spoon on the counter, try the sauce or things like that. Or he'd be doing something and, and maybe he'd let me watch, but I never really got to be hands on like Abby is at this age. I definitely didn't have any say in what we were having for dinner other than do you want chicken or beef? I'm like, beef sounds good. Like I really take into account what my daughter wants to eat, what she wants to try, what her moods are. Hey, do you want to make a meal? Hey, we got nothing going on today. Do you want to go to the grocery store and get all this stuff and do that? We've got the time. Let's do the big thing or whatever. Sometimes she's just like, I'm not really in the mood. I just kind of want to like grab a burger. And I'm like, all right, let's go cool. grab a burger. Yeah. And because I, think, I don't, I don't want rigidity with food because I yeah. don't want her to feel one way or the other. I, I want fluid with food and, and, and fitness and diet and, and all of this. I just, I, I don't want it to be a focus ever unless it has to be a focus for a specific reason. Right. I think we talked earlier about um, core memories and that kind of stuff for sure is going to be core memories for her. When she gets older, she's going to remember cooking all these things with her mom or even going out to get burgers with you. Like, and that's so important for her development because you know when she's older, she's not going to worry about, well, I have to eat my pre-workout meal right now or else, um, you know, things aren't going to go the way I'm not going to hit my goals, blah, blah, blah. Like she's, she's, you're instilling so many good habits in her. Um, and I think a lot of, I have a lot of moms that listen to this podcast and I think they're all going to really take something out of this. Do you have like any advice that you can give for, for parents who are trying to raise their kids and not have them learn about diet culture? Like if they hear about these things, like what you can do. You know, we have a lot of conversations in the car on the way to and from school. We have about we used to have like an eight minute commute. We just moved and we have like a 15 minute commute now. And a lot of times like she'll get in the car and she'll complain about something like so-and-so was being like this at school. And I, I take that time to really talk to her. Um, if we're not blasting like music and just having a good time, we will turn the music off and we'll have really deep conversations, just the two of us. And sometimes it, it, you know, it tends to go like, sometimes we talk about bullying and ways that she can avoid bullying and things like that. Right. And, and toxic diet culture comes up. She's in fifth grade. Now fat shaming comes up, body shaming comes up. Um, there are kids at the school that like to point things out like, Oh, your tummy sticks out or things like that. And she hears it and she'll say things like, Hey, that's not okay. We don't talk about people's bodies. So I know that my kid is super confident and I know that not all kids are super confident. Um, and so I always talk to her about her comfort level of what she feels comfortable saying or not saying. Um, I always tell her, let's be respectful. We don't call names. We're not going to attack people. But also if you see something or hear something, then say something. Um, and I also always tell her to take it up the chain of command as well. I'm like, did you talk to the teacher about this? Sometimes she's like, no, we just handled it. I'm like, could you talk to the teacher about this next time? <laughs> Going so around. You know, and I'm also very active, like with the teachers and talking to them uh, about these issues. Luckily, a lot of that stuff doesn't come up. But but yeah, we, we take that time in the car to have those conversations. And she knows she can ask me anything, even if it's something that like is uncomfortable. Or she'd be like, mom you know, someone said this today or it made me feel uncomfortable. And we have these conversations age appropriate, obviously. And every kid is a different comprehension level. So comprehension appropriate as well. Um, but we just talk and I never had that 
as a kid. I never had a safe person, except for maybe my aunt Jackie, who was kind of like a grandma to me. I never had a safe person where I could come and ask the quote unquote dumb questions, right? Mm. I never had that person. And I wanted to make sure that my daughter did. Um, And I'm just, I already inherently am just a very like, sorry, my dog is just obnoxious, but someone must be here or something. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I, I want her to talk to me and I want to be able to work out these problems and I want to be able to give her the tools because I don't really solve her problems. Right. I guide her toward solving these problems on her own. And she's like, well, maybe we should do this, or maybe I should talk to this person, or maybe I should just give this person some space. And I let her come to those conclusions And if they're maybe not the right conclusion to go, that's one option. What's another option so that she can kind of still come to that conclusion, even though she feels like she solved the problem. I'm like, "Eh, let's dig a little deeper here. Um, And it really is just about providing a safe, non-judgmental place for your children to talk to you because they're going to talk to somebody, right? And if they can't talk to you, they're going to talk to their friends and their friends and no judgment here. Their friends are just as dumb as they are. Yeah. They totally. just are. They're kids. They, like, they don't know anything. Yeah. And some of these friends don't have as good of parental figures as your kid does, right? So maybe those kids are Googling things and giving your children. It's like, talk to your kids. Just be that person. And if both of you as a husband and wife or a partner and a wife, whatever it is, whatever your family dynamic is, if one of you is just not that great at it then the other person that's just your job now and that that's always just been me that's just me um and 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 create that safe space for your kids it's really really important because the amount of therapy and like work i've had to unpack because i didn't have a safe space it's just not worth it it's just not worth it i think that's amazing advice i mean i don't think we're communicating with our kids enough. Like, no. you know, I'm someone who doesn't have kids, so I, I know absolutely nothing on this subject, but I'm going to go ahead and pretend that I do. <laughs> but, I, you know, communication is so important, especially with young children, because they're so impressionable and they'll eat up anything that you tell them. Um, so making sure that you're having those appropriate conversations with your children, um, especially about things that could potentially harm them later in life and you know, have lasting effects. That's so important for them to have someone to come to talk to about that and for you to kind of not push them in the right direction, but just steer them a little bit and guide them. And like <laughs> you said, make help them make their own decisions. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like when you feel like you make that decision, you're a lot more confident in that decision. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so just not necessarily being like, well, I think you should, but just be like, well, that's, well, we can think of some other options too. Yeah. We'll find the best option. And, um, and, and leaving things open too is always, I I never try to make anything final. Like, and that's what I said and it's done. Right. It's always like, Hey, like, that's how we feel today. We might feel differently with more information later. If it comes up again, come talk to me and we can, we can open up this topic again. That's okay. Um, and think, a lot of it's okay reassurance. Yeah, I think that's when kids start to like lose their respect for you a little bit is when you tell them this is the way it is. Um, but if you help them 
come up with decisions on their own, they don't feel like, oh, well, mom made me do this. You know, like <laughs> nobody likes being yeah. told what to do. And if you can come up with a, a conclusion on your own, like that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if MLMs would have ever come into my life had I not already had these vulnerabilities because each each interaction with these, right, it came in through toxic diet culture, but that's not what I ended up doing. But with these coming through and and you getting these little fingers, because they really are, you know, they come in from so many different angles and your first interaction with them, it, that's the grooming. That's the normalization of the industry itself, right? Mm. So even if it's just through a Pio DVD or you just want to try a shake or your friend just has this thing you want to do and you just want to support them, I'm not joining. I'm just getting the thing. It's normalizing literally a scam it's normalizing a legal pyramid scheme that is protected by the government there are no other distinctions between an mlm and a pyramid scheme in the way that it operates aside from governmental collusion <laughs> literally literally um and so when that comes into your 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 life and it normalizes itself you then forgive the next instance and you suspend disbelief again because well this one kind of worked a little bit or so-and-so was doing it and I always trusted them because they've never steered me wrong and you learn to start suspending disbelief with these things and you know I, I did and it, my MLM journey started even before that because I my mom sold Mary Kay and my aunt sold Mary Kay and I went to stamping up parties and creative memories parties and all of these other things my whole entire life I've got 31 bags up the wazoo uh, you know, and so all of these things very innocuously came into my life. And so when the big one came, it was so unbelievably normalized. I was like, well, let's go. Yeah, it wasn't it was not there was not a second thought in terms of like, hmm. I mean, I definitely looked up is LuLaRoe a scam and I didn't find anything. And so I was like, OK, checks out like Oof. that was my amount of like digging. Well, Google says it's cool. So <laughs> I'm very curious about what is going to come up because I'm going to Google it right now. Oh, is yeah. LuLaRoe a scam? Uh, <laughs> uh, the first thing that comes up is in January 19, the Washington State Attorney General's Office filed a lawsuit against LuLaRoe. Um, and then in bold, being a pyramid scheme. it says the multi-level marketing company, I can't talk, the multi-level marketing company is an illegal pyramid scheme making misleading income claims. Yeah, if you had Googled this, you know, two years ago, I think it would have been a lot different than uh, yeah. Than when you and, actually joined. Well, that definitely wouldn't have been there because I was one of the witnesses in that case. <laughs> ah, fun fact. <laughs> fun fact, yeah. Yeah, yeah th this this actually talks about that. Like, if I scroll down, there's plenty of things that you've been in. On oh, these yeah. results. I know it's ridiculous. Uh, the rise and fall of LuLaRoe is uh, result number three. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I it, safe to say if there's a news article, a documentary, a podcast, uh, any special about LuLaRoe, I'm either in it or I have been in communication with the people that created it <laughs> and I helped them find the people who are in it. <laughs> like, um, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just, that's what I'm known for. And so it sort of just always comes up, but 
I feel like I talk about other MLMs more than I talk about LuLaRoe. It just circles back to LuLaRoe because I've done so much. Yeah, it's your experience. <laughs> and I think I think most of us, well, maybe not most of us, but a good chunk of people have seen the documentary. So, you know, they think LuLaRoe and they go, oh, that's a fucking scam. But yeah. maybe they don't correlate that to the fact that it's multi-level marketing companies in general that are the scam. And maybe they're like, oh, LuLaRoe is just bad, but... But Arbonne's okay, or Beachbody's okay, <laughs> right? Because right? right. my friend does that, and they yeah. make a lot of money. And like, she's, like, a super nice Christian mom who's, like, the PTA president and, like, does all this stuff. Like, she would never scam people. I'm like, you're right. She probably never would, and she probably doesn't know she is. So for those who might not know... That I mean, I, you know, people hear my content enough and hear me talk about MLMs enough. <laughs> I, like, I'm not, and I don't consider myself an anti MLM creator. I, right. I, I say that I dabble in it, which I do. <laughs> um, but can you kind of talk about how it's a scam? Like, what what makes it a scam? Yeah. Well, I want to tell you that you're an anti MLM ally, right? Uh, absolutely. We've got a lot of those. Absolutely. You're a fitness creator who is anti MLM, and so you create sometimes anti-MLM content when it comes. I, I love that. I love that because the more actual, just regular non-anti-MLM creators that are also anti-MLM that we have, the better, right? I because agree. then I know that I can follow you. You're not going to get me sucked into any scam. I'm like, yeah, I can totally trust Nick. He understands what pyramid schemes are. He gets that toxic diet culture shit. Like he's done. Like I know I can follow him and he's not going to rope me in. And that like, that's what I love. There are so many creators like that. Um, and because of the anti-MLM community, they are coming more out of the woodwork going, you know what? I don't like those either. And I'm going to talk about how they come into my purview and why I don't like them. And it's it's been really, really cool. So if you have been out on social media in the last few years and you have been paying attention to this sort of stuff or you are sort of on the MLM scope and things come up on your feed, um, the anti-MLM movement depending on who, who you ask, is either a movement full of haters or a movement full of people that are saving people's lives. <laughs> really depends on who you ask. Uh, I get called a hater, uh, a failure, all kinds of things. It's really funny. Um, and it's just, you know, it's by the people that are in these companies and they feel a certain way about me because I am exposing the truth about these companies. Um, and that feeling that they're getting, and maybe you're one of these people and you're getting that feeling too. It would be strange because of Nick's stance and all of this and what this episode's about. But if you are pro MLM or you're in one of these and that feeling you're feeling right now where you're like, no, like this is that there's actually a name for it and it's called cognitive dissonance. And it is basically the battle of like your, your mind and like your heart, like you really truly believe in your heart that this is a good company, but your brain is like, but we have so much proof that it's harmful. And you're like, but, but your heart's like, but I, but I made money and I liked the product and it worked for me. And your brain's like, great. That's awesome. But it didn't work for so many others and it's predatory and harmful. And that battle that you're having is super real. It's totally normal. And it happens a lot of times when two different opposing things come and, and you're faced to, you're, you're forced to sort of face them. Um, and it's something that we talk about a lot. And I mentioned that in my videos. Sometimes I'm like that uncomfortable feeling <laughs> that's cognitive dissonance. You're in the right mm -hmm. place. Uh, if you're feeling that I would urge you to ask more questions uh, and, and the hard ones. And when you don't get the answers, I would continue to say, thank you for that information, but you didn't answer my question. 
mm. and to really, really to go for it and, and get the answers. Um, so yeah, I get called a hater a lot because I'm exposing the truth of what these companies are. And the anti-MLM movement, there are so many different people. I really focus more on victim advocacy and um, a compassionate approach to leaving and speaking about these companies. Um, I felt when I left that there wasn't enough compassion and understanding for people that had really felt like they had been dragged in and chewed up and spit out. And so for me, it was really important that there was somebody that was safe on the other side to catch them and say, you're not alone. It's sort of a thing join the club. Um, and so if that's sort of the feeling that you want to get, like for sure, follow me. Um, there are other people out there that make really great content, people that sort of deal with the the mega huns, we call them the, the people at the top that are jumping from pyramid to pyramid that are making all the money and, and victimizing a lot of people. There's people that focus on them. There's people that focus on the CEOs and the company side. There's people that focus on the, like just what's happening as a company itself and, and sort of the messaging and, and what's going on. And there's so much, there's so, 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 so much. And there's even people that focus more on like the legal aspect and, and the history of it and the government connections to them. So there are so many people to follow that sort of touch on all of these facets of anti MLM. So it's not just a bunch of haters that are like in the comments going, you're in a pyramid scheme. It's not just that, although there is that too. <laughs> of course. So on my end, that, you know, the victim advocacy, I have a podcast, it's called Life After MLM, Nick has been on the show. And we talk to people who are affected by multi-level marketing, whether you're in one, whether you know someone who's in one, whether you are passionate about something that has come into your life. I, I talk to people who are victims and experts and advocates and just bystanders. And um, for me, creating that conversation opens up a lot of discussions and it changes a lot of people's perceptions and it changes a lot of people's minds in the end. And I get a lot of emails and I even get messages from current content creators now who were like, you were the reason I even looked into anti-MLM because your video came across my For You page on TikTok. And I was like, this girl is a hater. <laughs> this girl doesn't know what she's talking about. Mm. She's just a failure. And then they watch a couple more videos and they're like, okay, well, some of this stuff this hater girl is saying <laughs> is true. Okay. I will give her that because I've done that. That's true. And then they watch a couple more and they're like, you know what? This hater girl has a lot of really good points that <laughs> I can't refute. And then the last one is usually like, hey, I'm so-and-so and I just left my MLM and I'm anti-MLM and that's what you're going to find here now. Um, and it is this really interesting like roller coaster of, wait a second, my cognitive dissonance and then, okay, but you make a lot of really good points. And oh, and all of that actually did happen to me. Oh my God. <gasps> Am I in a cult? Am I in an MLM? Oh my God, is this, it's a pyramid scheme. And it really happens that way. I get emails and messages all the time. Um, and, and so I know that what we're doing is needed and I know that what we're doing is working because I, 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 it's, it's the most wild. I never expected it in a million years. I started my podcast because I wanted to tell stories and talk to people during the pandemic when my salon was closed and it's become my second job. And it's, I've never felt like passion and like a purpose and like a calling before, before this 
really because yeah. yeah. it really it takes so many of the things like i love doing hair i love educating especially like i loved educating in the salon my clients and other people. So like that education part is there and then helping people. It's just, and it's, it's international now. I mean, I, the last episode I posted, my guest was from New Zealand. That's amazing. I've talked to people in the Philippines. I've talked to people in the UK. We've got people coming up from other parts of the world, world, the world. That's incredible. And like <laughs> the, the reach of this podcast is insane. And you know, you talked about all the people that you know, you, people call you a hater and then all of a sudden they're anti-MLM. Uh, now I can't say this directly because I'm not sure, but I, I think my wife was probably one of those. Like she probably saw your, your stuff and was like, oh, she's just a hater. And then all of a sudden she's questioning <laughs> whether she should be in Arbon or not. And thank God, because our relationship was getting a little rocky during that time. So, <laughs> but you know, did you see my recent TikTok about the Arbon water bottle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you see what I commented on it? I don't um, know. There's so many comments. So for those for those who don't know, just so we can we can discuss this real quick because it's really funny. Um, it's a water bottle that says what is it? Uh, fizz something. Fizz it says powered by fizz. Powered by fizz, but the but F the is font like that fizz is in cursive, <laughs> and it looks, and it looks like, like a, a J. J. <laughs> so I was like, Arbon did this intentionally. They were just trying to see how many brainwashed people they can get to carry around a bottle that says uh, fueled by jizz um, and see. Right. If, with, like, a, with a vanilla protein shake in it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, let's really test how strong our reach is. And um, clearly it's working. <laughs> so many people were like, not going to lie. I want a water bottle that says <laughs> Um, last thing I kind of want to touch on here, as far as the anti-MLM thing, um, what about those people that swear that they're making money in anti and not in, not anti-MLM in MLMs? I, I mean, you know, I, I want to believe them because I was one of those people, mm -hmm. but I will say that all the money I made, because when I was in that lawsuit, LuLaRoe presented me their numbers. Like they were like, look at these numbers, Roberta. How do you explain these numbers, Roberta? Like, it's clearly not a pyramid scheme. Look at everything you sold. And I was like, uh, I bought $78,000 worth. Mm -hmm. I sold $83,000 worth. I made $5,000 <laughs> selling clothes. In a year and a half, I made $5,000 selling clothes. Um, okay. Minus expenses in a year and a half, I made zero dollars selling clothes. Um, but my bonus checks for having a team, ah, for having a team of yes. people underneath me, right? My bonus checks were over sixty-five thousand dollars. So the money so... is not in selling the product, is what you're trying so, to tell me. So I was like, <laughs> I, I said, I'm not sure how this proves you're not a pyramid scheme, <laughs> like. <laughs> like why would you present these numbers to me so like, just it's, just it's obvious that the money was made in the recruiting aspect of like i'm like how yeah. is this not a pyramid scheme i just anyway. want to run those numbers one more time right so five thousand dollars made selling clothes yes five thousand dollars in the sale of sixty five thousand dollars in the sale of the business yeah 
Okay. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah. That's, so um... I made roughly $70,000 a year and a half, which was less than I was making in the salon I quit to sell LuLaRoe. So mm. <laughs> make it make sense. Well, when you're passionate about the products, yeah. you know. Well, when you're passionate <laughs> about the dead fart leggings, you know, <laughs> they, they sell themselves, really. Just get one whiff and you're like, I need so many. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're out there, right? Like I just proved it. They're out there. We make money. There is. If, if no one made money, it wouldn't work. Nobody would be like, join this. You make no money. What so that 1% of people. 99%. Yeah. Okay. We're going, <clears throat> right. we're going. That 1% of people that makes the money is the one shouting from the rooftops, how you make all this money. Mm-hmm. I've got the car, I've got the trips, I've got the this and the that and the this. Like, don't you, that totally rhymed and I didn't mean to. Um, isn't this what you want? I know you, we're, we're talking in IMs or DMs or whatever you call them now in the 2020s. We're talking now, we're friends. You personally know me and I'm a million dollar car earner. <laughs> I'm a seven figure boss, babe, right? And so you're like, oh my God, the girl I'm talking to, she did it. I can do it. But that girl, that 1% person is the 1%, right? is the mega super elite in terms of even of the United States, the 1%, right? Same. So how am me, little coconut Joe nobody, going to become the 1%? Well, you're not. You're not. Because when we actually look at these top huns and what their trees or pyramids or teams or families or whatever the hell an MLM is going to call it to confuse you even more, there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people because it's a pyramid. It's exponential. Okay. So they've been in X amount of years or whatever it is, or they just left Arbonne to join Modere and Modere offered them a bridge contract to bring everyone up. It doesn't matter. It's all scammy on the back end and it's happening. And those people are the figureheads. Those 1% people know the system. They're the ones that are like, I've been in network marketing for 25 years. And let me tell you, it works. Duh, for you, it works. You're the 1%. And it is literally your job to get the rest of us in because statistically in multi-level marketing, 99.7% of people will lose money when all is said and done. When all of your expenses are taken into account, when your time is taken into account, when all of the sunk costs and everything is taken into an account, you will lose money. Yes. And gambling is 95% loss. So I'm going to tell you that's a fun that fact. it is better to throw a hundred dollar bill into a penny slot machine in Vegas than to put a hundred dollar bill than to put a hundred dollar bill into an MLM and hope you're going to make your money back. It is a better bet. You have better odds of hitting max bet than going all in, in a multi-level marketing company. That is a statistical fact. Wow. And the illegal pyramid schemes that get shut down, that all of the MLMs and all of the Huns will say, if we were a pyramid scheme, we would be shut down because those are illegal. The illegal ones that do get shut down, the loss rate on an illegal pyramid scheme is 90.7. So you have a 9% better chance of making your money back in an illegal one than a legal one. That is fascinating. And it makes so much sense. right and another wild statistic in these 
pyramid shaped where they go, well, we're selling a product. That's why it's not a pyramid scheme because we're selling a product and a pyramid scheme just exchanges money. Well, I mean, what did you buy the product with? Genius money. Okay. Well now you're exchanging product that's worth money. So there we've now taken money and just given it a new name and it's called product, but in an MLM, the product that you're so excited about because it's the one thing that keeps you from being that illegal pyramid scheme, only 10% of the sales of that product actually make it outside of the organization and into actual consumers' hands. The rest, the 90%, is in the pyramid. They're buying from each other. They're trading from each other. They're buying things to help each other rank up. They're creating ghost accounts. They're making fake things and buying things to hit their ranks, to get their bonuses, to get their qualifications. 90% of those sales are internal. That's insane. That that is insane. And it it speaks volumes to how much of an actual scam it is. Like if you're buying the product basically from yourself, like are you... How are you making money if you're selling yourself the fucking product under yeah. a, under a ghost account? Like that's not, and that that if you know you sell a product to somebody in a ghost account, that's going to come out in your final sales. It's like, oh, I I sold three hundred dollars worth of product to Snoop Dogg. That you know, who Snoop Dogg isn't Snoop Dogg is your fake ghost account. Like <laughs> you you didn't fucking sell that. Like you just bought it from yourself. Yeah. And a lot of times there's no distinction between what you buy yourself and what you sell in terms on like on the back end, it's still considered personal volume, whether you buy it or you sell it. So a lot of times you don't even have to sell anything. You just have to buy enough to hit the the qualification number. Really? It's, it's literally like leveling up in a video game. We're like, oh, well, to move on to the next level, you need eight diamonds and four keys. Uh, And you're like, I guess I got to go find some diamonds and keys. And you go back through the level and now you're, you know, in an MLM, you're going, oh, I need, okay, so I need three new customers, but like no one wants what I'm selling. So I need to create three new email addresses and sign up three new fake accounts that are all going to buy a $99 product pack because that's the minimum. And then I have three new accounts. So then, okay, so there's that. That's checked off. Okay, so that was that was only 90 PV and I need 120. Okay, so I'm just going to buy 30 more PV for me because I'm almost out of that shake. And oh, and we have a new energy drink I wanted to try. I mean, these are literally the 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 justifications that we're putting through our heads while we're doing this. And you go, okay, all right, three days to the end of the month and I'm all qualified. <laughs> and then a lot of you will then sit back snarky while everyone else is like, it's the end of the month. I need three more things. And they're like, I'm already qualified. But it's like, but you bought it all yourself. Yeah. You're not selling it to anybody but yourself. That's that's so crazy. I mean, like, it's, it it's so crazy when watched you put it, it in happen. perspective like that. Like, like, I see it. You know, I saw it from Danielle. And I'm like, how, how many more shakes are you going to buy? And she's like, oh, Thanks well, I just you. need this one to hit rank. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, fine. That makes sense, I guess. But then right. she starts doing it every month and every month. And it's a good thing she doesn't listen to my podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right? Danielle. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we know about the eggs, Danielle. Um, um, I'm sure she'll listen to this <laughs> bring one. Bring it up. So. <laughs> She's going to listen to this one because I'm on it. Exactly. I'm sorry, Danielle. I it's, love you. It's not me. She, she doesn't want to listen for me. She wants to listen for you. <laughs> It's fine. You know, it's just, it's really, it's just really insidious. 
And um, that's a good word. It is. It really is. And it's a scam. And for anybody to be presented with these facts, these are not opinions, although they are also my opinions, but these facts and to say that's not happening in my MLM, listen to my show. I've probably talked about your MLM. And if I haven't, once you leave, contact me and we'll talk about it because it's in every single one. I have not met anybody who hasn't had a very similar story. That's like the heartbreaking thing about my show is even though every single story is wildly different, they're all exactly the same. Yeah, they are. They don't, they are. <laughs> I mean, there really is like, okay, this is the part, this is the part where she figures out this is the straw. Here it goes. You know, and yep. it's, it really is. It really feels like the same roller coaster where, and, and you find a little bit of yourself in every episode. You're like, Oh, I do that too. Or I'm just mm. like that. Oh, that's how I felt. It, it's, it's so relatable and, and validating. And I think that's why people listen. Um, I, it's not, I'm not even in it that much, right? Like people are like, I love you on TikTok. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not in my podcast as much as I'm on my TikTok. Like it's just not, it's about right. someone else, not me. Um, but even, even those stories come up and, and there are times where I'm talking to people and they say something and it unlocks one of my MLM core memories. And I'm like, oh my God, I have a story. And then we go down these tangents and I just, it's fun. It's fun. And if you've ever been in an MLM and you're feeling like, oh my God, it's me. I was stupid. I'm not a good salesperson. I just didn't do it. I didn't have the drive. I didn't have the money. I didn't, I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't rich enough. I wasn't white enough, whatever it is. Right. Come, come listen to my show and go, yeah. oh, wait, it was, it's not me at all. Okay. I feel better. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, exactly what Roberta said. If you are feeling this, if you're in an MLM and you're kind of feeling this way, you maybe have that cognitive dissonance life after MLM, find it where podcasts are found. Where else can people find you, Roberta? Um, I'm kind of easy to find. You can go to my website, robertablevins.com and there's like links to everything there. But I think Google, if you Google my name, you can pretty much find every single thing I've done. <laughs> um, and I pop up all over the place. So if you're interested, follow me on Instagram at the real Roberta Blevins, or if you're more of a TikToker and you like more of the comedy side, um, we do a little bit more spicy, funny stuff on TikTok. Um, spicy. And that is Berta like, whoa, over on TikTok. Love and it. then, you know, Google, find me. I'm, I'm yeah. everywhere. Come find me. Come join, join the club, join the, uh, join, join the watch watch lula rich watch that's, lula that's rich great place to find that's how yeah. i first found out about you yeah and i and it's funny because the person i am in lula rich is like very professional i'm in a i'm in a documentary and i'm telling the story and it's just there's a little bit of my personality in lula rich but you're, you're gonna I get watched more it of the spicy I knew bird you, so after. i feel like i need to watch it again <laughs> <laughs> you'll watch you. it again and you're like she's so reserved in this film <laughs> Well, Roberta, thank you so much for coming on. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. I have so much fun doing it you. So you are welcome on this podcast anytime. Well, thank you, Nick, and everybody listening. Don't join an MLM, you guys. Just do come it. listen to the and show. If you're in one, if you're in one, just just listen to Roberta's podcast. That's step one. Yeah. Hey, if you're and in make one, your own that's decisions okay. I have all that. kinds. Of- I have all kinds of friends that are in MLMs and they come to me with their problems and I go, well, that's kind of a thing. And they're like, yeah, I know more things you're saying are coming true. And I'm like, Hey, no judgment. I'm not going to judge you. I was there too. I did MLM for like five years. There's no judgment, but I've got answers to some of those burning questions. Your uplines won't answer. So Mm. if you need those, come find me. I love that. (laughs) Here it is. You heard it here first, everyone. (laughs) Well, again, thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening as well.